All right. Uh, for the rest of us not going to uh, kids' church, uh, we're going to be we're going to be in Matthew, uh, Matthew chapter six, starting in verse five. Um, so we're going to continue on um, with the Sermon on the Mount, and so we kind of broke for um, uh, for Easter. Uh, so we broke for Palm Sunday and and for Resurrection Sunday, um, and so we're kind of back at it. And so before we uh, we broke. We talked about this idea of as we practice our righteousness, don't be hypocrites. Um, and so just that idea that as we, you know, as we come to the Lord, as we come to the things of the Lord, uh, we practice righteousness. And that's not meaning we, we earn or we make ourselves good, but the idea is that we've been made righteous through Christ. We're going to be ultimately righteous in heaven, but there's a process of working out our righteousness now that we call sanctification. The idea is that the longer I walk with Jesus, the more I look like Jesus. The more um, I hear his voice, the more I know who he is, the more I act and, and speak like him. And so part of that is why we do community, why we come and do church together, why we have the, the word and discipleship is because we should be working out that righteousness. And so there is this... Uh, the thing that Jesus was running into was that as the Israelites were working out their righteousness, they had come to a place, like a lot of the things he addresses in the Sermon on the Mount, um, where they did it more for the show. They did it more for the show than they did it for him. And so kind of today where we're at, we're going to be looking at um, what Jesus says about prayer and fasting. So along that same vein that we started in chapter 6 of practicing our righteousness, we're going to look specifically at, at prayer and fasting. Um, so if we look starting at verse 5, it says, And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogue and the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you that you have received, their, or they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then like this, our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you not, do not forgive others their trespasses, neither your Father will forgive your trespasses. And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites. I love that, do not look gloomy. For they disfigure their faces, that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. So the first thing that we, we look at, uh, of course we come to this uh, thing that we've already kind of come to in chapter 6 where he talks about that practicing your righteousness. So remember, verse 1 says, Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them, for they will have no reward um, from your Father who is in heaven. 
And so we see this and then reflect it again uh, in verses 5 and then in verses 16 of don't be like the hypocrites. And so I'm often asked the question um, when we look at this and go, okay, is it wrong to pray in public? Is it wrong to say as a church we're going to do a fast or, you know, this group that we're going to come to do together and fast? And absolutely not. Absolutely not. What's wrong is the intent of it. And so if we only prayed together as a church because, well, it's kind of, we're supposed to do that, right? We're a church, obviously. You know, if we do it just for the show of it, just because it's what we're supposed to do, or if we fast just to say we're fasting, just to, to try to look more holy, to try to look closer to Jesus than we really are, um, then essentially we're putting forth a false personhood. Uh, we're putting forth a false um, idol, really, of ourselves. And so when we do that, we miss the point entirely of what it means to pray and fast. So remember, in the Greek, that word hypocrite means, um, a lot of times we think of hypocrites as someone who does something different than what they say. And we, we take that as a hypocrite. In the Greek, it means someone who is acting for an audience. And so our prayers could be perfect. They could be truth. We could live out our prayers. But the idea is that if I come to a place like this, and I simply pray acting for an audience, so you think I'm a good person, um, then I'm a hypocrite. And so the idea is when we do those things, Jesus basically says that you've got your reward. If all you're seeking is the approval of people around you, then yeah, you can have that. You know, but God doesn't want anything to do with that. And so this is not really anything new. There's a history of the church. Uh, there's a history of Israel the idea that they approached the things of God, all right, the things that were designed and meant to worship God as a way um, to just go through the motions. So we see that in Isaiah chapter 1, and I know I quote this verse all the time, but it's in, I love it. But just the idea of um, God looks at the people in Isaiah chapter 1, and they're sacrificing at the temple, they're, they're bringing their, um, their alms to the altar, they're doing everything that Deuteronomy requires them to do, and God looks down and says, who has required of you this trampling of my courts? And so this idea that we can do everything we are supposed to do, but if we do it with an insincere heart, if we do it with wrong motives, if we do it in a false way where today I'm going to come and pray, and tomorrow, you know, when I get home, I'm, I'm, I'm going to get into an argument with Michelle and belittle her, you know, well then, obviously my prayer wasn't sincere. And so... How are we moving and acting in the things of God? Whether it's something that we come and do corporately or, or whether it's my, my private life at home, are those things sincere? Am I an actor acting for an audience? Or is my goal seeking a true and authentic relationship with God? Because prayer and fasting are powerful to build that relationship with God. But if we do it for approval of men, then it cuts off that relationship. Because we've chosen, I would rather have the attaboys today than a, than a genuine relationship with the Father. And so when we talk about prayer and fasting, they're not always easy things to do, especially fasting. It's not an easy thing to do. But that doesn't mean they're not rewarding if they're done in the right intent and the right heart. So as we come to this, um, I think it's easy, uh, it's interesting to look at this and see uh, what Jesus is talking about as far as why, why not to do these things. So we kind of have this idea of we don't want to do it for 
the approval of others. And he says, when you pray, don't heap up empty phrases like the Gentiles do. Um, that idea of empty phrases, um, the Greek, you could translate that to stammer or babble. So the idea that you're repeating something over and over and over. And so for us, you know, we don't do a whole lot of chanting. We don't do a whole lot of anything like that. But the idea is, I think it's easier to do this when we realize sometimes. Um, so I've grown up in church. So there is a church vernacular that I will fall into in praying and not realize it. Um, where I will fall into a certain mode or a certain order of prayer or a certain prayer over and over and over. And a lot of times that doesn't mean it's not genuine, but it's just because I've entered into that space so many times in a public setting that I have to guard my heart in a way and, and I have to make sure, am I actually present right now or am I running on rails? Am I just on a track doing what I've always done? And so it's easy when we do things with repetition to begin doing them out of habit and not um, out of uh, really an, an honoring place that wants to get close to God. You know, and so that's when we were kind of planning out the church and we decided, hey, we want to do communion every week. You know, that was one of the discussions because, uh, you know, I, I grew up in a church that did communion every week and other churches do it uh, once, a, once a quarter or a couple times a year. And the idea is some churches feel that if we do it every week, we lose some of the significance and the meaning. And that can absolutely be true. Um, if, it's, if we make it just a tradition, something we do over and over and over, um, sometimes we stop giving it the reverence and the place it should have. That doesn't mean having communion every week is wrong. That means we have to guard our hearts and our attitudes of how we approach it. So same thing with prayer. When we come and we pray together, or we pray out loud, or we pray with our families, you know, are we going through the motions? Is it reflex, or does it actually carry connection and meaning that we desire to interact with God and so are we stammering are we babbling or do we really mean what we say are we present in our words um, and if I'm being honest as a pastor there are times where I find myself not present in my words where you do something so often you could do it without thinking about it and so the idea here is that we really engage in the purpose and the idea of prayer so same thing with fasting it says don't don't, uh, don't look gloomy. So in other words, don't highlight the fact that you're fasting. So if I come in and I go, ah, I'm so hungry. I've fasted for three days. You know, I'm kind of flexing my spiritual, look how, look how holy I am. I fasted for three days. Um, and so God's saying like, man, what's, what's your purpose in fasting? Is it to get close to me? Is it to draw near? Or is it to brag about how you're fasting? And so really, we can only do one uh, because one, when we get to that point where we're trying to get that positive attention, it really pulls us out of that special place of a relationship. Um, and so how do we think about these things? How do we interact? And so one, we have to have this mindset of I don't want to be like the hypocrites. This isn't just acting for an audience. And like I said, that's not always intentional, but sometimes that can be because we do the tradition so many times, it loses its meaning after a while. Um, um, one of the fun or interesting things with Michelle's and I's kind of trajectory through the church is we've gotten to be a part of a lot of different denominations. And it was always funny to me as, as we've never really been part of a liturgical denomination. And I, I have a, a, some good friends that are um, Episcopalian and, you know, really 
dive into that, like daily readings um, and having the, the book of hours, um, where it's this traditional book that the monks pray through at certain hours of the day. And there's some really contemplative, reflective, and it kind of reminds me a little bit of when I was a kid, we would do responsive readings, where the pastor would read something and then the church would read something back to the pastor. You know, and I can kind of remember that as we grew up and we got into more like non-denominational and charismatic spaces, they kind of shied away from that because, well, that's not authentic. That's not Holy Spirit driven. But the funny thing is I, I remember doing like church camp um, uh, in the Baptist church and you would do things like prayer walks where you would set up stations that people could go to and like um, reflect on specific verses that you had posted. Uh, I remember doing things like Trace Diaz. Uh, where you're away for a weekend and they have kind of a formula where there's some really set aside um, contemplative parts. And, and it was struck me that the idea that sometimes in church we get away from those things, but when we return to the idea of that we're really reading and we're focusing on something, even if, even if it's not coming from me, even if someone else wrote it, sometimes it helps carry us outside of ourselves where we're really reflecting on the words that we're saying. We're really reflecting on that prayer um, if we're reading it. And so what it all boils down to is it's not the style, whether you do the liturgical, we, we read a prayer, or whether I stand up here and, and do a prayer off the cuff. It's not the style that matters. It's are we engaged with what we're saying? Are we engaged with what we're saying? All right, so if we're not supposed to, to pray and fast just to kind of practice our righteousness, you know, why, why do we pray and fast? if it's not to, to heap up empty phrases. Um, and so the one thing I want to say is um, a lot of times when we think of prayer and fasting, um, we kind of have this idea that we pray and fast because we're looking for specific answers. And I'm not saying it's wrong to go to God and go, hey, I need an answer on this or I'm going to fast for this specific thing. What I'm saying is if that's our experience with prayer and fasting, we have a very limited view of what prayer and fasting really is. And so there's three things I want to look at that prayer and fasting is intended to do. Um, and that's, it's intended to bring connection to the Father. It's intended to grow us as Christians. And it's intended to help us understand our position. And so when we pray and fast, it does those three things. And so when we look at the idea of praying and fasting, a lot of times I'm going to do those things on a regular basis, not when I need an answer, not when I'm looking for something, because what it's going to do is it's going to draw me into the Father so that when I need an answer, I'm not having to search for it. So the idea is, um, you know, husbands with your, with your wives. Um, do you just go on a date when you want something? Hey, I want to buy a new truck, so I'm going to take Michelle out for a really, really nice dinner. I'm going to kind of butter her up, and then at the end, I'm going to go, so I was looking at truck. You know, I'm going to, you know, try to work in. Do, do, I, do I just do stuff with Michelle because I have a specific goal in mind? Or, I know. I, I can't do that anymore, you know. Or, or am I doing it in response to, like, well, we've been kind of chippy at each other lately. Let me take her on a date, and I'll fix that. Or is it the idea of I love Michelle, and I want to spend time alone with her, I want to get to know her more deeply, even though we've been married for a while. I still love getting to know and interacting with her. And so it's the same thing when we think about prayer and fasting. Is it the idea of when we need something, oh, now I want to know more of God. Now I know what you, God, I, I don't know what to do. I've been doing whatever I wanted to for the last six years, but now I don't know what to do. So I'm going to go ahead and fast for this week so I can try to find your will. 
or is it part of our growth and pursuit of, God, I want to know your will, and prayer and fasting is part of that. And so connection. So the idea is we need connection to the Father. And so connection is one of those things that, um, in a way, we don't make the first step for connection with the Father. He pursues us. And, And so we know that Jesus not only died on the cross, but he sent us the Holy Spirit. And so I, I love that Jesus was basically like, I'm going to die on the cross for your sins, but because, Paul, I know you're kind of an idiot and you're not going to get it right away, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to kind of show you some things and wake you up and go, knock, 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 hello, you know, I did this for you, because you need that. And so that initial connection to the Father, I can't claim. It's not, it's not my own. It's something I was pursued in that relationship. Now, I was pursued in that relationship, and I know my eternal thing is, is secured. You know, Ephesians says that the Holy Spirit is the stamp or the seal, our guarantee of our inheritance. But in the middle time, I have a responsibility to explore and help grow that relationship. And so I know that if I seek the Father, He'll meet me in that place of seeking. If I search for the Father, He'll meet me in that place of searching. And so, so many times we have a kind of a, a black and white question and answer view of scripture and prayer and fasting and it, and it sets up this, that checklist mentality uh, and I know that I've kind of had to constantly fight my whole life to get away from that checklist mentality of these are the things I'm supposed to do, these are the, the blacks and the white, the right and the wrong and so so many times we approach um, our Christianity with this moralistic idea of it's just if I could just get everybody to do the right moral things we'd be okay well, that's not it at all. I, I don't want to convince you to do the right moral things. I want you to build a relationship with Jesus, and he'll do that. That's not my role. My role is to help you get dig, dig in deeper with Jesus. Now, he may use you to convict, or he may use you to convict me about something in my life, but ultimately, I need a deeper relationship with Jesus, and that's what helps me get freedom from sin. That's what helps me grow. And so we need that connection. And if you don't talk, it's hard to have connection. And so I think we have this idea that God is this other. Um, So he's this, uh, you know, we have that picture of God's floating on the clouds. Every now and then he looks down and checks on us. We hope he's not mad, you know. And so we kind of have that view sometimes of God. When when God worked very hard um, to come and live in the flesh. So we would know he understands our hurts, our pains. That he died on the cross, not just to forgive us our sins, but to send us that other helper in the Holy Spirit so that we'd never be alone, no matter what we walked through. And so God, through Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit, has given us a deeply intimate and personal relationship with him. And so when we pray, we are helping to train our minds, to train our hearts to be in tune with that relationship. Sometimes it's hard enough with with someone I can see, with my spouse who I talk to all the time, sometimes it's hard to get in tune in that relationship unless we spend time alone without the kids running in and out. You know, if we don't have a real conversation, it's hard for me to know where she's at. You know, and so the same is true for the father. If I never stop and try to hear his voice, you know, yeah, I'm not going to hear him all the time. I'm not going to understand things. If I don't get reflective, if I don't go to him, and go, God, I just want to know more of you. So we, we pray and we fast because it brings that connection 
to the Father. And once we have that connection, then when we need an answer or we have a need, right, that's a natural thing. It's not that we're God's a genie in a bottle and we're trying to get a wish, but it's that we have a relationship with the Father. So we do it for growth. We do it for growth. Um, and prayer and fasting. And so uh, we talk about this a lot, especially in terms of like, man, if you're struggling to forgive someone, spend time in prayer. Pray for them. Pray for the Father. This is so many times, like I said, we have that black and white view of, like, I should just forgive and it's done. You know, and we'll preach sermons like, you should forgive people. And we all go like, yes, we should. And sometimes, like, the living it out is so much harder than Scripture. Like, Scripture's like, okay, if, if we don't forgive, our Heavenly Father won't forgive us. That's pretty cut and dry. We need to forgive. But the actual, like, there's no manual of, like, okay, what's the steps I walk through? Because I can... God, I prayed to forgive them today, but yesterday, but today I'm still mad. Like, what do I do now, you know? And so we need that daily walk with the Father, right, that engagement because it presses in on our weaknesses and it helps us to grow. This is one thing, especially praying together, you know, praying with your kids, praying with your spouse, praying with your friends, praying together as a church. It helps press you in when you're all engaged in that and you come together. And there's so many times where we're praying together uh, as, as leadership and someone will pray for a need and I'll be like, man, I didn't even think about that. I didn't even cross my mind that we needed to pray for that uh, in this church or with that person. And so it helps us grow and it stretches us. And, and the final thing is, is position. Position. When we really understand prayer, um, and especially fasting, it puts us in a position of humility. And so, so many times, and we'll look, a lot of this will be reflected when we look directly at, at the Lord's Prayer. When we look at things like, not my will, but your will be done. And so, for me to pray, I have to position myself in submission to the Father. Right? I'm, I'm going to Him as the expert. I'm going to Him uh, as the bearer of all things, as the one who holds it all together. And so... So many times we kind of run on rails and I don't need to pray. I don't need to check in. I'm good. And we end up living our life under our own will, under our own direction. When we have a crash, then we go, I obviously got off the track somewhere. You know, now, now I need to check in with God and figure out where that was. But the idea is if we can have a vivid prayer life where on a regular basis we are communing with the Father, we are checking in then that puts me in my place of humility. Uh, we've said several times as pastors, our goal is I am not the shepherd. I am not the shepherd. There is one true shepherd, and that is Jesus Christ. I am an under-shepherd under that. My job is to point you to him. And so in prayer, that aligns me. So we see that in Jesus constantly. We see that in Jesus. Jesus is not um, praying and fasting for a specific answer. He's praying and fasting, all right, for closeness to the Father. So when he goes away in the desert and he prays and he fasts for 40 days, he's not going for a specific answer. He's going to, to bring connection to the Father, all right? When he's praying in the garden before crucifixion, he's not wanting a specific answer. He knows what's coming. He's praying for that connection so he can have strength to bear up what he needs to bear up. And so as we have this, we see Jesus continually pray. Man, I love the prayer in the garden. Of 
Father, if at all possible, let this cup pass from me. Let this wrath, let, let what I'm going to have to walk through, let, let it not have to happen, happen. But nevertheless, your will be done. And so Jesus, who is God in the flesh, in prayer, continually positions himself in humility. That's, that's where, as he's praying and fasting in the desert, Satan comes and tries him to pull, tries to pull him out of that position of humility. Hey, just throw yourself down, the angels will save you. Command the world to worship you and they will. If you're really hungry, you can tell those rocks to turn to bread and they will. Use your power, use your might, make it about, make it about you. So Satan's trying to pull him out of that position of humility to the Father. And so as we look at prayer and fasting, when, when we really understand that it's about connection to the Father, it's about my growth, and it's about assuming that position of humility, all right, in those things that prayer and fasting accomplish, I don't get any of those things from attaboys from other people. All right, so if I really understand the purpose, then I'm less likely to do it for the approval of others, to, to be an actor, you know, playing those things out so that others can see. Because when I really understand the purpose of my prayer is to bring connection to the Father, then I can have that connection when we pray together, or I want to have that connection all the time, not just when we're together, but when I'm by myself. And, and so um, kind of in this last thing that we look at, as far as, you know, how do we pray, um, we're going to kind of go through and really look at, you know, the Lord's Prayer because I think it gives us a model of, you know, how are we daily approaching the Father. But uh, once again, we can get really legalistic with some of this stuff where we go like, this is how we have to pray. You know, this is the model. If we're not praying like this, we're doing it wrong. And so what I also want to encourage you is that prayer is not just a formal thing. All right? Because we have an intimate personal connection to the Father, Paul says that he prayed without ceasing. So if Paul ran through the steps of the Lord's Prayer without stop, he wouldn't be able to plan a church. He wouldn't be able to make tents. You know, he'd be doing this all the time. And so what he's saying is, I have a constant internal dialogue with the Father. And so a lot of prayer is taking your internal dialogue, because make no mistake, we all have a constant internal dialogue. All right, you have a self that talks to yourself all the time. And so, so many times, um, I think we would have that courage and confidence that Scripture talks about if instead of allowing our inner voice to just run wild, we were in continual prayer. And so in continual prayer, I can submit that inner voice to the Father. You know, Paul says, take every thought captive. So that's only possible when I'm in constant communal thought with the Father. I'm not the judge of good and bad thoughts. The Holy Spirit's the judge of good and bad thoughts. I want to submit those to him. And so it's not just this formalized prayer. Um, I think this gives us a good model. But it's that idea of I have a true relationship, good and the bad. I love when you look through the Psalms. It's amazing the different styles of prayers you see in the Psalms. You look through Psalms and Leviticus. You see some really open and raw and just rough prayer. You see prayers where David goes, kill my enemies. You know, I can't take it any longer, Father. You know, so I think sometimes 
when we have this idea that prayer is the thing the pastor does, you know, before we start church or when we take communion, we miss out on the idea that God wants you. He wants your hurts. He wants your struggles. He wants your bad days, not just your good days. So on the days where you go, I don't feel worthy of prayer. I just blew up and cussed this person out. There's no way I can pray. He wants, I think so many times, um, disbelief can swallow up uh, an immature Christian so quickly um, because sometimes we feel like I can't engage with God in my disbelief. So if I'm struggling, uh, if I'm not feeling that close with the Father, if I have this disbelief in this issue, sometimes we feel for, or we learn from churches, you just don't talk about that. We just, we got to have faith. 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 God wants us to engage him on good days on bad days, when we hear him, when we haven't heard him in a long time, God wants us to engage with him. He wants us to have that persistence um, because he will meet us uh, and he will strengthen us. And so how do we pray? How do we pray? So he says, pray like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we for have also have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. I have a really hard time saying this in the ESV and not reverting back to the King James. Um, this is one of those things that I have memorized in the King James that, that comes through when I pray. Um, and, it, and it feels really weird not to end it for thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever. Amen. Um, uh, and the fun story about that, while that's not in the ESV or the NIV, is uh, King James actually added had that added into the king james version so it would sound more like a prayer so that's not in the original manuscripts in the greek um, that was something that was added in so that's why some of the some of the newer translations don't have it because it's not actually in the greek manuscripts so as we look at this um, it it shines through some of those reasons that we pray and fast shine through in what jesus has here so he opens you open with our father in heaven hallowed be your name your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven and so from the get-go, what we're talking about here is the position of our prayers. So the first thing is Jesus saying, you acknowledge our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. In other words, that God, you are holy. And so a lot of times we take that holy, and for us sometimes holy means morally righteous. So holy means you're a good person. Um, when really holy means uh, not just that you're a good person, uh, but it means completely set apart other than the world. So God is holy, not just because he's morally good, but because he's completely other than the world. He is set apart. So we're saying, Father, you're in heaven. You are completely holy. You are set apart. You know, in, in theology, we say that God is um, omnipotent, omnipresent, and om omniscient. So in other words, God is all-powerful. He's everywhere, and he knows everything. And so God is everything we are not. All right, I am not everywhere. I'm not very powerful at all, um, and I definitely don't know everything. And so part of that position of prayer is we're acknowledging, God, you are the head. All right? You are the creator. You are in control. Your name is holy above all other names. And then we say, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So once again, position. So I'm, I'm in my prayer, I'm going, God, you are set apart. You are other. And then I'm saying, God, I want your will for my life, not mine. 
So I can't say, God, your kingdom come, and then tell God how to run his kingdom. All right, so God, I'm going to say your kingdom come, but in my prayer, I'm going to tell you everything you need to do. All right, so God, I've come to you in prayer because we've launched this church, and this is exactly what I want you to do with it. All right, so I'm just waiting for you to do those things. I'm going to keep praying for that. You know, instead of going, God, <laughs> I'm imperfect. What is your will? What's your vision? What's your picture? So we come in and we align those. And it says, give us this day our daily bread. And I love the connection here. So, yes, we, we come to the Father for our needs. All right? We come to the Father for our needs. If we have a need. So I, I, I love this. I love this. Um, let's see, verse 7. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask. So I love this, that yes, we want to take our needs to the Father, but don't pretend like this is the first time he's hearing about it. All right, your need did not catch God by surprise. You know, God, you wouldn't believe what happened today. You know, my neighbor did this, and God's up there going like, well, no, I already knew that, I already knew that, you know, I actually believe it, yes. And so sometimes we have to understand that, yes, we want to take our needs to the Father. But understand two things. One, this is the shortest line in the prayer is our need. Two, it's not aligned to itself, but it's connected to something else. So he say, says, uh, give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. So God, I need this is connected to forgiveness, uh, is connected to forgiveness. So I love that. You've been given an incredible amount of mercy, we are to show mercy to others. Um, and then, so, Father, it's your way, you're in heaven, you're holy, I have these needs, help me live out the life of mercy you've called me to, that you've given me to, and help me walk in you. So that's the last line. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. So when we look at the Lord's Prayer, that's the kind of model that Jesus gives us, is that when we position ourselves to the Father, all right, we want to grow. In other words, God, meet my needs, help me interact with the community of Christ, with my brothers and sisters, with those that you've created in your image. Help me extend mercy and grace to them as you've extended me mercy. And then uh, I, I want to have, uh, have that connection. Lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from evil. I want to be close to you, Father. And so when we pray, God, lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from evil, what we're saying is, God, I want to stay by your side. I don't want to lose that connection. Uh, one of my favorite things is um, talking about um, the Holy Spirit. A pastor said one time that he treats it like if a bird came and landed on your shoulder. All right? You would be aware of that, and you would try not to lose it. You wouldn't be flailing around. Let me take a picture. You know, but you would be aware and you would move with intent because you don't want to lose that connection. And so um, when we say, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, I'm saying, God, I, I, I don't want to lose the connection I have with you. I don't want anything to get in the way of what we have. Help me walk uh, in that because it's not going to be easy because the minute we get out of prayer, Things are trying to pull us out of that connection. And so we want to stay in that. 
And so once again, as we look at this, how we pray, it's not that we have A, B, and C, and every time we pray, we have to go in this order. But this helps us speak to what prayer is intended to do. Some of the things we need to be mindful in prayer. And so think about your prayers. Are you just praying, God, I need this, I need this, I need this? Maybe spend some time in the idea of worship in your prayer. God, you're holy. Thank you. Praise you, Father. Thank you for what you've given me. Thank you for this. Thank you for, thank you for your grace. Maybe, yeah, we do need to talk about our needs, but we want to make sure, Father, th- I have this need, but man, you've forgiven me of this. You've erased this debt. You've done this in my life. Help me do that for this person that I'm struggling with. All right, so it's not just about our needs, but we pray about our interaction with each other, and then we pray for that connection. I, I want to stay close to you. I want to know more of you. And so when we understand praying and fasting, it's not for the show. It's not because it's what we're supposed to do. It's not the tradition of it. But it's because we serve a God who wants connection with us. We serve a God who gave of himself, crucified on the cross, so we could have connection. All right? And so everything we do in prayer and fasting is, I want connection to the Father. And when we have an intimate connection to the Father, when we need those answers, they'll already be there. We'll have them. All right, y'all stand to your feet. We're going to pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I, <laughs> we thank you. Um, God, we thank you and we praise you that uh, even though we aren't, aren't worthy, that you gave of yourself so we could have connection. We could be made whole. We could be reconciled. So, Father, I just, I thank you that we can come like this. Uh, that we have the ability to come to your side and to speak to you. Uh, and just, you're the God of the universe, yet you want to know me intimately. Um, so, Father, I thank you that we have an invitation in prayer to know you, to, be, to have that connection with you. So, Father, I just pray that you would, uh, help me this week, Father. Examine myself, examine my, my prayers, examine my attitudes. Uh, God, because I want to be in it for the connection for you. Not because it's what I've always done, uh, but Father, I want to be in it for that connection, for that growth. So Father, I just thank you for brothers and sisters in Christ who we can pray with, who we can pray for. Uh, Father, help us hold one another up uh, and encourage one another. Father, we thank you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.